Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.0A. Gonna kick some footballs this year, but not punt them. Well, guys, let's let's all sit here and say say it together. Defending Big Ten champions. <laughs> How about that? There's some optimism. You guys didn't say it. Defending Big Ten champions. Yeah. Defending Big Ten champions. All right. Nobody get used to this, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> 42-27 in the snow. Right. The 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 driving blizzard. <laughs> Yeah, but, and and you know they 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 were sick, right? So it doesn't right. Really they count. had they had COVID, they had the flu, herpagonosyphilides. Uh, their toenails all fell off. Yeah, uh, Big Nut was uh, incapacitated with grief. There was no sun; it was just like slate gray. Right. Then yeah. they photosynthesize. That's one of the technologies they have. Is they they uh, inject chlorophyll into their players so they right. have more energy during a game. Right. Uh, and also, Michigan would have won uh, the previous year. So, <laughs> really, we're talking about a thousand days in which Michigan is uh, defeated. Do you, Ohio do you State remember when the pandemic constantly. began? Do you remember how long that that's been going on? <laughs> yes. It's been longer than that. That's <laughs> there. You go. The last time Michigan lost to Ohio State or Ohio State beat Michigan, COVID was not a thing. So yeah. that was seven hundred years ago. <laughs> I think it was a thing in China at that point. If, if you really want to like lock it hey, down. Hey, yeah. hey, no yeah. negativity in this <laughs> section of the podcast. Is that what we're doing? I thought the – so like last year, the way we did this was Alex and I were trying to convince you <laughs> – so like not like check right out and like the, the whole season. and the whole pot the whole everything was like I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna kick this football I'm, I'm not gonna kick it <laughs> and I think that's why they won is because I, I I gave up like personally and professionally like I I was defeated utterly and that's why it happened so is that is that what it was because I I figured the way we would do this one then is we just completely dunk on you for last year's <laughs> opinions like the entire podcast I had some good opinions. Alex, you just listened to the <laughs> last year's I was Yeah, I was listening to all of the preseason podcasts the other day, and we were wrong about a lot of things. So this <laughs> yeah. year, we're going to be more right. I mean, nobody really expected what happened last year to happen, right? Like, I, I give myself credit for Hassan Haskins. That's the extent that sure, I can yeah. go to. Yeah. I mean, you had to, you had to believe in, like, Aiden Hutchinson as a Heisman finalist, which he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so David Ojabo is going to be a first round. Well, he should have been a first round. Pick. Hey, that was my hot take last year on the defensive segment. He would get all Big Ten votes, and several people in this room were laughing at that take. What? So really, yes, several people. <laughs> was there? <laughs> was were there we like the polyphonic spree last year? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a backing chorus. That's like well, that'd be good. We should get like a Greek yeah. chorus for Absolutely. the podcast. Absolutely. And whenever. I have a bad take. They can like hiss at me. Uh, well, we'll have the Sklars on later. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 well, yeah. We'll we'll speaking work of, on it. Speaking of Sklars, you know what the Sklars are? Our sponsors. They're one of our sponsors. And our other sponsors, 
Uh, I want to thank Underground Printing. They uh, they make this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear. Their three lo- uh, three store locations in Ann Arbor. Or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundchairs.com. Our associate sponsors are Homeshire Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M, where we're recording this, the Nosebleeds, which is the Scarborough's new show on UCF1, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. All right, so let's let's get into it with the least controversial position on the team, quarterback. So it's going to be an Alan Bowman Davis Warren battle. No, don't even do that. <laughs> don't even. Do, I was watching the spring game and like like. Writing down and like grading both those guys, yeah. and I'm like, this, this is, I mean, they're fine in the spring game, but I do not want a future where any of this information is relevant. Yeah, I remember I went on TKA after the spring game, and uh, Sam Hueb was like, So, what do you think about Alan Bowman versus Davis Webb? And it's like, I don't want to know the answer to that <laughs> yes, question. <that's> right. <laughs> if I know the answer to that question, things have gone badly, right? And there's that anecdote about uh, <clears throat> how the Indianapolis Colts never gave Peyton, Man- uh, Peyton Manning's backup any snaps. Mm-hmm. And someone was at, at practice one day. And he's like, well, what happens if Peyton goes down? And he's like, coach is like, we don't practice fucked. <laughs> <laughs> this should conclude all Alan Bowman and Davis Warren mentions on the podcast for the year, God willing. All right, McNamara versus McCarthy. I mean, first of all, who you got? Uh, <laughs> who's starting the Ohio State game? <laughs> Do you want, who's starting the Ohio State yeah. game? Cade McNamara. It's probably Cade McNamara. <sighs> you guys are so boring. I have no respect for our uh, for the schedule is the problem. I mean, I, I think you're right, but I wanted <laughs> we we have to manufacture conflict. That's how these things work. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. Come come tune in to the Yemgo podcast where, where everybody agrees. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, it's not us agreeing. It's the program doing the thing that they say they're going to do. Well, like, we all know what we want to happen. Right. What we want to happen is we want J.J. McCarthy to undergo an off-season revolution where he no longer does any freshman crap. Right. And also is very good at football. I I mean, here's the real gist of it. it and this is... Uh, a couple articles reference this in the Hail of Victors, is the uh, way you win the national championship if you are a team that recruits like Michigan, where like you have to build out of three stars and you have to you know, hold on to your guys and whatnot. You have some holes. The way to overcome that is Trevor Lawrence. And if Michigan's going to get that... Maybe not the best comparison, given Clemson's talent level those years. <laughs> <laughs> their, their talent level is... I, I mean, Let's go Mike Vick. <laughs> no, well, Vic gets you the championship game, but yeah, but they, that's that's the comparison. You need a superlative talent at the most important position on the field. Exactly. Well, and that's how Oklahoma got there all the time too, and that's how you maintain yourself as a playoff level team. That's the difference between a Michigan who kind of shows up to the playoff and is like, oh, here's right. how talent really looks. Andrew Luck Stanford. Yeah, I mean, if you you can win with a okay quarterback if you have Georgia's talent, but not if you right. have Michigan's talent. Yeah, they they played Stetson Bennett last year. Right, it didn't matter. Right, because they had three offensive defensive linemen go in the first round, and the best ones back this year. Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and that's what we're saying, is Cade can, Bennett. I don't know if Cade can get you to Stetson Bennett. I don't know if Cade can get you to the next level that they really want to be. And to go and win in Columbus, I know we said that last year, but last year they barely threw the ball against Ohio State. They threw it once in the second half. Right. One time. 
Right. And they scored 42 points. Uh-huh. I don't think that's going to happen this year because Ohio State's defense will not be a salvage job after Kerry Coombs was like, I like to do this. <laughs> they had to do that. They had to, like, promote Kerry Coombs to his Peter principal I mean, just to find out. So, And then I think you talked about this in, in the UFR for that game is that once they figured out what Ohio State was doing mm-hmm. by watching their film, Ohio State didn't change anything. And so they were able to just get rid of linebackers in the box by running the same motion that they ran the whole game. Right. And there was no adjustment because Ohio State's defense was a patch job, you know. Yeah, they learned how to do one thing. Yeah. And there was there was no next level. And so, if you're going to go play Michigan against Ohio State, we're going to find the one thing. Right. And so they, they brought in Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator – and that's not going to be the case this year. So we can't rely on, you know, Blake Corm going off for 313 yards. Yeah. I mean, they're still going to be Ohio State. They still play a lot of young guys because they get so much talent and they want to get to well, the let's, NFL right let's, away. Yeah, but, let's yeah. We'll save, save that this for, for later. Yeah. But so the quarterback thing is like, uh, you you want to put your faith in the guy with the massive upside. And to be clear, J.J. McCarthy does have massive upside. When he throws the ball, it looks different. It feels different. There were, I was, I'm going over your UFRs for season mm-hmm. preview pur- purposes, and there's like two swing passes in the NIU game or something. One from McNamara, one from McCarthy, and they're different. They yeah. feel <laughs> different, and that's a swing pass. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, there's no denying <clears throat> the higher upside that J.J. has, but I do want to say in defense of Cade, some people talk about him like he's 33-year-old Trent Dilfer, and we just know that right. this is who he is. But the truth is, Kate's got one season as a Big Ten starter. He's only had three years in the program. The and one of those that, was the COVID year, yes. which barely counts. Yes. He, had, he had nine drives in the COVID year. That yeah. was nothing. So the idea that he can improve, I think, has <laughs> gotten understated to some degree in the offseason. There were definitely things last year. He didn't do a lot of post-snap reads. He had some issues uh, you know, doing the zone reads, things like that, and also throwing the ball off the back of his center's head. Like, those are things that can be cleaned up and are reasons to believe he could be a better quarterback this year. Yeah, okay, I that's a good point. I think the zone read thing is not fixable. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Because I think it's Shea Patterson all over again, except Shea Patterson could actually run the ball decently. So it was frustrating when he didn't do it. When McNamara doesn't do it, I'm just like, we shouldn't be calling that play. And that's a real hard that's a real hard way to have offense when you no longer have a fullback, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So short yardage was a problem last year with Hassan Haskins on the team. And I think a large part of that is you're trying to run spread offense stuff for a large part of it and we didn't have a fullback. We had a, a tight end who's a decent blocker in Eric All. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing when you're talking about getting two yards. Yeah, and the the other way to do that is to have a real quarterback threat. Uh, right. I had them charted for 57 zone reads last year with Cade, which was, or at least things that looked like zone reads, and he was 47% on them. So literally, if he flipped a coin, he would do better than if he was like actually trying to read the guy. Well, also, even if he keeps, like, what's your upside there? And J.J. McCarthy caught Blake <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is a threat. And, and so yeah. just in, even in terms of like without even talking about throwing the ball, uh, McCarthy gives you so much more upside. And that the package that they had in, in the Ohio State game, that diamond package, which had a quarterback run in it, had a couple running back runs, and had a throw in it, that was really powerful. And I, I feel like if you're going to get the maximum you are going to get out of this offense, you need to have that quarterback run threat. Because who are your backs? Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. Right. Yeah. So – what do you want them to do? You want them to be in space. You want 
to be able to delete a defender with your quarterback and you want him one-on-one for the house. And J.J. McCarthy gives you that aspect that McNamara just does not. One of the factors that we haven't discussed yet is Matt Weiss is the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator, and he comes from that Raven defense, Ravens defense that used Lamar. Uh, you mean offense? Offense. <laughs> but but they they were a, a run a quarterback run threat offense, and they were explosive. Their running offense was actually more explosive than their passing offense. Right. And he does it with motions and all these things, but the main threat of a quarterback keeping it out, I'm not saying J.T. McCarthy is Lamar Jackson, but Cade McNamara is definitely not <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Right, and so then, then you get to the throwing part of it, which is kind of important for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they brought they brought McCarthy in on third and 18 for some un, for ungodly reason, and he did some freshman stuff, uh-huh. like real freshman stuff. And, you know, he's throwing across his body to Baldwin and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, this is not a guy who's going to get through a season with, like, two interceptions. No. Because that's what McNamara had before the Georgia game. He also needs to learn to protect himself. In that Georgia game in the Orange Bowl, there was one play where he scrambles and just gets crushed over the middle. Right. uh, Short of the first down. Like, there are, I think in some ways, the athleticism is also a curse for him because he just thinks he can outrun everybody and it puts him in (laughs) dicey situations. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in fairness to JJ, his sack rate uh, wasn't that much higher than Cade's. Cade's was two point seven percent, which is super, super low. I mean, that's that's honestly a big point in his favor, right? Yeah, yeah. Like McNamara was not the guy who's going to run yourself, run himself into a sack, set you up on third and eighteen, right? Except for that one time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was Penn State. Yeah, was that one time, yeah. just one yeah. time. Um, <clears throat> but I I I just don't know if he has like the ability to be something other than who he seems to be. Because mm-hmm. last year, you know, they have they have Borges on TKA. They have Devin Gardner on TKA. Mm-hmm. And both of them are just like, you got to take the shot. 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 Check down, check down, check down, check down. Yes. Now, how much of that is, I didn't see the play develop. I I can read this better now that I have more experience. And how much of that is just his inborn tendency to manage games. I'm I'm pretty convinced it's the inborn tendency because against Michigan State he lit it up. He threw it across the middle. Uh, even that like Andrell Anthony pass that I'm sure we'll get back to in this podcast soon. Uh that one was a pass that he normally didn't throw. That's over a linebacker. He doesn't like going over but Michigan State's secondary is so weak that right. he could, that he had those things. What Kate is great at, he's not a great post read a post-snap reader, but he's a great pre-snap reader. And this is where, like, Drew Brees, like, makes his money. Like, that's that's how he does it, right? He knows which guy's going to have leverage because the defense can't cover inside and outside of everybody. Some guy is going to have leverage on the pass. Cade knows how they line up. You can't fool him. He knows exactly where that's going to be. But he doesn't want to take a lot of those shots because he doesn't want to try to fit it over a linebacker unless it's Michigan State and Corvair's pouch is just completely lost. Well, and... One of his best throws of the year was that skinny post to Wilson against Penn State, mm-hmm. and that's that's something he knew he was throwing before the, the ball was snapped. Right, just because he knew that you saw outside leverage, you got a skinny post on, you got a safety who's not going to be able to get over in time, and that was decisive. <clears throat> but when there's he's not able to do that, it just felt like he left a lot of points on the field because you had Cornelius Johnson running open almost all year. Mm-hmm. We'll get and we'll get to that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, he can develop. 
he can turn into a guy who identifies those. And when he took those shots, Pro Football Focus had him fifth in the country in deep shot hit rate. Yeah. And that's – and he was like 15th in How many of those were flea flickers, though? <laughs> uh, not enough. Not enough, Seth. An insufficient number were flea flickers. But – I mean, it doesn't. That's that doesn't matter. Like honestly, I think getting a ball back on a flea flicker and then having to catch it and throw it, it's probably more difficult than just dropping back and hitting Cornelius Johnson, who's open by five yards. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I, there is the potential there. Like if he sees it, if that tendency goes away, and Devin Gardner, who I don't think is going to be on TK this year because I think he had a job doing color because he's awesome at it. Mm-hmm. Um, if if whoever's looking at these plays on the all 22 isn't like he missed that. He missed that. And this is something that we don't get to do very often because right, right. we don't get all 22. So that kind of analysis is usually beyond us. Mm-hmm. Um, except that I think every, if replays on certain plays, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I got it for the Georgia game because they put it on TV. Yeah. And, and that was lightning because <laughs> I mean, Georgia is Georgia, but they, those were there sometimes there was like, but I, I keep going back to this one moment against Ohio state. where like, we're up 14, nothing very quickly in that game. Things are going so well. Cade's feeling it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw across the middle. Right. And he throws an interception. So, like, it, the one moment that I could have, like, broken him out of that shell, yeah. and he throws yeah. an interception against Ohio State. So it's like, it, it just doesn't seem to be there for him. And, like I said, against Michigan State, if that linebacker completely runs away, he's going to throw that throw. But he needs it to be that open to trust himself. Well, and that's that's something that young quarterbacks mm-hmm. often do. And as Alex pointed out, Cade McNamara is young. Yes. Now, one thing kind of arguing against that is he was a four-year starter at his high school. You know, he he's one of those extremely quarterback coach guys. So you wonder about his improvement trajectory. Like, although I think pretty much everybody is that these days, right? Like, mm-hmm. I guess McCarthy is no different. Scratch that. Never mind. I mean, he's it's his senior year. It's his fourth year in the program. So, like, he's not... That's so weird. Fit, he's know. a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the same eligibility as JJ right now. Yeah. I, I mean, COVID's going to mess with all of our yeah. stuff for years. Uh, but, I mean, his the thing is he doesn't throw interceptions. Like, that Ohio State one yeah, was, it was weird. And then Georgia was unfair because a couple of them, like, clanged off his receiver's hands. Yeah. And and, yeah. yeah in terms of interceptable throws, he was... I think tops in the country at one point on pro football focus. Yeah. And that was, I think either before or after the Iowa game. So yeah, it was up until the, it was up until the Georgia game because Georgia was the one time when I mean, he had to like force it because they're falling behind. Well, and Georgia was able to get in the backfield and he got a lot of pressure that he wasn't used to facing all year. And right. Just a lot of things went sideways against Georgia. And then they put in McCarthy and it kind of feels like they're like, all right, see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And the answer was, well, I can throw it to Andrew Anthony when, they bust a coverage <laughs> and I can do some freshman stuff. And like, uh, I don't know. Like, I think the most plausible way that we see a transition to McCarthy this year is like, they win pretty easily in the first four games. You know, they have some struggles against Maryland mm-hmm. and then they go to uh, Iowa city and they can't move the ball with McNamara because it's cover two. Mm-hmm. Those linebackers are going to be running underneath a bunch of stuff. Like and he just, is a checkdown machine, and then you're in a tight game against Iowa, probably at 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have heard a rumor that that's a noon game. Which yeah, I'm like, oh, thank you, <laughs> please, Jesus, please, baby Jesus. 11 a.m. local start. I'll take it. 
Uh, and then and then McCarthy comes in and he moves the ball. And that's what happened against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, if you remember. Like, it just happened at the beginning of the game. But, like, it was a J.J. McCarthy ru- uh, play right. that, like, turns into that big quorum play. And then, you know, it was... Well, the next play was the double pass. Right. I mean, that's razzle-dazzle. But that's how they scored against Iowa at the beginning. It wasn't J.J. or sorry, it wasn't Cade moving the ball that much. It was, it was his own read where McCarthy was worth paying attention to. Right. <laughs> so, they, I mean... Yeah. And that's the thing, and that's what you're talking about. Like the ceiling of this offense is just so much higher with McCarthy and with Weiss, because he and the floor is so much lower. I know, and you have to get to you have to get to Columbus undefeated, right? No, you don't. Yeah, you, you can drop one and beat Ohio State and Columbus. And okay, but it. beating Ohio State is difficult. I know, I know. I mean, and if you I get understand to, that. If you get but to Columbus if we're undefeated, talking, if we're like talking, your if floor we're talking, is Rose Bowl. Yeah, well, if we're talking like playoff, yeah, you, you can drop one. But I'd be happy with a Rose Bowl season and a season <laughs> where we defending Big Ten champions. What is this? Well, what is this loser talk? Maybe we'll have Kick, the loser the way. Kick the football! Kick the football! Before we're done on the quarterback segment, I do want to throw out the camp news that Alex Orgy is the successor to the Valari Cat, and mm-hmm. you will probably see that at some point. Probably a Pro- blowout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looked, he looked very far away. Yeah, in in spring. Yes, although if we need a moose back, honestly, that had crossed my mind. I'm still on the Kalel Mullings train, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh huh. Have we beaten this into the ground? We're in orgy territory, so <sighs> we could we could literally just transition that from run to run. All right, we're, we're gonna just mispronounce that guy's name on purpose. No, that's just how it's. How I it's know, I know, that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Why would you turn this down? We are college football I, bloggers. I like we're the only people who actually can like embrace this. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to embrace an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the running backs. Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, they should be pretty good. Great. Uh, All right. <laughs> that Blake Corum guy was, was pretty fun until he hurt his ankle. But even then, yeah. he... Ripped off 50-plus yard runs against Ohio State and Iowa. Yeah. Um, and you go back and you watch his season, and the prophecy is pretty much true. He's Mike Hart, but fast. With one exception, he does not make yards after contact like Mike Hart did. Yeah, he's not going to like pull yeah. 70 people you along can't, with him. You can't be fast and also do that at his size. Uh-huh. It's just not a possibility. But in all other ways, his ability to find holes, to make cuts two spaces over, to make guys miss in the backfield, and then when he hits the Jets, it's all over. Um, <clears throat> again, for much of the year, Pro Football Focus graded him and Haskins as maybe the one and two backs in the country. Right. <clears throat> and I think Charbonnet was those four. Charbonnet was like fifth. <laughs> so. so he really did have to transfer to get playing time. And yes. <laughs> nobody has to be mad about it. It's great. <laughs> That's Because I was, I was so high on Charbonnet. <laughs> And then, you know, he transfers like, oh, that's another one Brian got wrong. And I didn't get it wrong. No, he was he was very good. He was awesome. Yep. But so you got Quorum. And we, we talked about this in the quarterback segment. If you can get a functional read option game going with, with Blake Quorum, that increases his effectiveness because he's the kind of back who, if there's five or six guys in the box, he's going to be able to do a ton of damage. And you don't want him in those constricted spaces. I mean, he does fine with them. Yeah, like he he can he can run to the interior. He's a guy who reads his blocks and doesn't bounce, 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 bounce. But 
for maximum effectiveness, you really want to go three, four wide and have a, a run throw from your quarterback. Well, Michigan likes to run off tackle anyway, mm-hmm. and it's like they're running behind their tight ends all the time. So, I mean, he was – you remember the Washington game. Very effective yeah. at, that, at that kind of like press the guy, press the guy, and then bounce, and then it's just him in a safety. And I think it's also notable, and this is after his injury, remember, and we'll get to that, but the way that people at the NFL draft were describing Kobe Dean is like, hey, do you remember when Blake Corm got out there in space? Well, that was actually an athletic article. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was anonymous quotes about various NFL draft prospects. <laughs> and <laughs> the one about Nicobe Dean was like, yeah, we ran our back in fast motion. We're like, this is an easy 20 yards, and Nicobe Dean got him for a tackle for loss. And every Michigan fan turned into <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio pointer. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> They're like, I know who said that. Burned in our members. I think they even like credited it as like a, a gain, and it was actually a loss. It was, it was a, a loss, point, yeah. Which is, I mean, and that, again... Corm wasn't necessarily himself after the after the ankle injury. Well, I mean, that, but it was still he was himself enough to do what he did in the Big Ten championship game. So I think yeah. the bowl game was just Nakobe Dean being insane. Yeah, and I'm just. But good luck if you have Nakobe Dean. Let right. us know. If you got, <laughs> we got we got like well, probably maybe one team on the schedule who could possibly claim to have Nakobe Dean. It's the last one. I don't think much of Penn State's linebackers. This I honestly year. Don't see their linebackers last year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't honestly think that much about Ohio State's linebackers. Well, yeah, but there's always They're some, fast. Yeah, there's always someone on there that could right. get a lot better in a year. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I don't. There's not really a whole lot to say because we all watched Quorum last year. Mm-hmm. We all know what he does, and I think he's going to be one of the best backs in the country. I don't think there's any question about that. I, yeah, I think we're. Actually, in danger of underrating him because Haskins was the number one back last year, and because there was a big section when he was like playing with the ankle and like got caught from behind even against Ohio State. Yeah, that's not going to happen if he's healthy. Right. Yeah. And that's <laughs> your only worry is that like okay, he's kind of a small guy, had an injury issue this year. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> Donovan Edwards will be the number two. Donovan Edwards, of course, caught ten passes for 170 yards against Maryland. <laughs> including the wheel route that everybody remembers. Um, <clears throat> but I was doing some research, mm-hmm. and I was like, just, all right, scouting Donovan Edwards. And I came across this video from this guy who does it for, like, fantasy football purposes. Right. But he basically had every play from his freshman season on it. And this is going to be in the season preview because it's super useful. It's 15 minutes long, so I'm just going to TLDR it for everybody. Yeah. But the TLDR is that he would find himself in situations where he'd be one-on-one with a linebacker in the hole, and he'd lower his shoulder. Yeah, he does that a lot. And it's, yeah, if you're Hassan Haskins, if you're Devion Smith, lower your shoulder. If you're Donovan Edwards, <laughs> what are we doing here? I, that, I mean, that comes from high school. Like, Never bunt hit dingers. Dude, I mean, this, this is, that's his high school training. First of all, he's not a small back, and he got bigger again in the offseason. No, but he's not, but he's but He's second of all, like, the team that they had to beat in, uh, in in high school was Belleville, and Belleville is just like all these linebackers who are like literally safeties. All right, but yeah. so so I mean I don't know he I could lower he, his shoulder and go there, and that's what he was trained at. Like that that was he was he he would knock those guys down, and that would be like on his highlight reel. Okay, they've got to teach him that you cannot do that with like some Iowa linebacker. Like that's well, just I mean, not going to happen he, for you. He got a yard or two after contact. Yes, but and, and he's better inside than people are giving him credit for because last year well, he could be better inside. Well, he only had thirty-five carries last year. Yeah, so like I don't think, and he was—he's a freshman and he was trying to press a little bit. But his high school film, I saw a lot of it, and 
I live up the street from where he was playing. Sure. So, and they would the coaches would share their films. So I got to see like Ooh, coaches well, like Donovan Edwards <laughs> for years because like they'd be like, look what he did. But uh, I mean, he's actually a pretty effective guy inside the tackles, and they bulked him up this year to be more of an every down back. All right, all so, all weight gain and loss is positive. What's, yes. What's what's the stats on on that? He's he's at two oh four officially from. Uh, he, I think it was 195 last year, but I think the 204 is a lie. I think he's more in the 215, 220 range right now. All right. Yeah. Well, if he can maintain some of that, you know, giddy up, then you got something cooking. And then, of course, we got to talk about him as the new Chris Evans, <laughs> except maybe they'll throw it to him. I thought you were going to say the new quarterback. <laughs> That's a good That's... point, too. We got to see that yeah. again. Yeah. Because, like, they talked about it. Uh, they, they said, let's run this and walk through. Mm-hmm. Before the Big Ten championship game, and Roman Wilson was like, "Yeah, he hits it every time, and he missed it in walkthrough." And I was like, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" <laughs> and then he nails that. I'm like, "We gotta, we gotta do that." You made a comment in the in the book about how it might be the best running back pass of all time. I mean, and my immediate thought was, we had Tom Harmon at this school. Well, that's that's not running back that's, pass. That, that does not count. But but I still think it might be defensible. That throw was. Maybe the best throw of the year by any court. Save the the Dalen Baldwin throw. By, right, yeah. But, but I mean, the context of that one was just silly. The the Edwards throw is like he did everyone, when you throw it to Roman Wilson, everyone makes him slow up. Yeah. And he didn't have to break straight. Also, he that. got lit up. Yeah. Like, he got <laughs> hammered as soon as that ball was gone. So, you know. Yeah, we got to keep, we got to do that. We got In every game, we got to do a flea flicker in every game. <laughs> every game. Seriously. It always works. I, and the one time it the, doesn't work, it'll be worth it. You just look at the Tom Harmon film and bring out some of that. <laughs> <laughs> like line up in a single wing I can't. with him as your, as your right back and just like flip it out to him and then let I him I can't believe you're field. citing like 1927 as evidence. 1940, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but still, still. I mean, well, how awesome, how how, how would it? we react if they line up in a single wing and then halfback pass with Donovan Edwards? Well, did it work? Yes. Okay, we'd be we'd be delighted <laughs> with Tom Harmon. Yes, it worked a lot. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I think we've kind of lost the plot here. So his his ability as a receiver is is very real. It's not just wheel routes. Like he had a he had like a high point sideline catch in the spring game. Mm-hmm. That was I think a hair out of bounds, but I mean, who right. cares? Like he got his foot down. It was just an inch outside. And with the ability to go five wide, mess with people's heads with that kind of thing. It's the kind of thing I always wanted them to do with Evans because remember that one time when they put Evans out, like spread wide against Michigan State, and he drew a linebacker? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, fling, go do work. That's that's And that's good. That's how you deal with it. Like, the, if your question is, like, how does Michigan deal with, like, the big, funky linebackers who are always in the right gap like Iowa has, just have Donovan Edwards keep splitting wide and be right. like, you know, sure, leave your 250-pound guy in coverage and let's see how long that lasts. Well, they'll just run zone. They're fine. Now you know exactly what they're running. I mean, it's Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> you always know what they're running. You're st- I mean, you're still going to have leverage against that guy in zone. But, I mean, this guy had 10 yards per target. Receivers get 10 yards per target. Running backs, even the ones who throw get wheels, yeah. still average like five or six because they get dump-offs all the time. Right. So he's and he's six foot easy. He's a real threat in that department. And, I mean, I, I've never actually seen Michigan successfully screw with people with one of these guys, even though they had a guy who was an NFL level, one of them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of one of the X factors for the season is how many targets can you get this guy? 
and his usage can't just be in the passing game because then that gives away right. the advantage you're getting. But I think that's a real open question. Is like how are, are they going to be able to take advantage of the fact that Donovan Edwards has this ability? Now there might be good reasons why they can't mm-hmm. because look at the wide receiver core, right? So <laughs> they have plenty of other people, right, right? But like they'll mix it in, and we'll we'll see how exactly that goes. And then the other open question about running back is. Hassan Haskins is no longer with us. <laughs> and one, one thing going that, when, that happens when you go over the film from last year is you realize that Michigan really relied on his ability to get two yards out of nothing on short yards because they were bad at it. Mm-hmm. And Haskins rescued them in A situations. And, and those are high-leverage situations. Those are high-leverage situations. So we're probably thinking it's mostly going to be McNamara. If it's not McNamara on short yardage, you already have a blinking sign about mm-hmm. quarterback keeper. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you don't have Hassan Haskins to make up for things. You don't have a fullback. Maybe maybe they'll get a fullback now that Gaddis is gone. They actually have a fullback. Do they? Yeah. Are they going to use him? It's it's Max Bredesen. It's Ben's little brother. Oh, he's a tight end. No, he's a fullback. I I know. I saw him in the spring game. <laughs> I know. Not I know. A fullback. No, no. They they tight ended him in the in the spring he's, game. No. Yes, that is what he's there for. He is he, not five foot nine and two sixty. That's what I want. No, but he's six foot two, and his 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 height already went down an inch, which is fullback. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so they need someone who's going to be an option in short yardage. And that might be one of the starters if that's the way they go. I am kind of hoping it's going to be Kalel Mullings because mm-hmm. uh, we saw him in the spring game. We saw him play like running back. Looked pretty good. Yeah. Saw him play linebacker. Looked not quite as good. <laughs> Looked like a running back playing linebacker. And also, yeah, he's been playing linebacker for two years. So it should be the other way around. Yeah. But dude is – Approaching 240 pounds uh-huh. and has the ability to pop outside the tackles even at that weight. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a high school running back. He looks like a natural at it. And just in terms of like, who do I think is going to be able to drag someone two yards? He looks like it. Well, now, look at his recruitment too. Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Yes. And Wisconsin wants you as a running back. And then it says like, eh, we don't need you as a linebacker. That tells you something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... There's also Tavier Dunlap, who mm-hmm. so far just kind of looks like a guy. Yeah. Yep. Like he can squirm a little bit. Like I mean, that's your short down, short yardage guy. If you can't use Mullings for this, and I mean he, but he's not like a difference maker. He's a he's a guy who can do it. No, and then I mean the possibility of orgy in an empty backfield is <laughs> self contradictory. <laughs> nope, not cutting that. <laughs> That is the rule of this podcast. I am not cutting anything that happens after you say the word orgy. <laughs> but that's that's something that historically has been effective. Is you just an put orgy it, in the backfield? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, but that has historically been effective. You know, the Tebow thing, where it's just like we got an extra guy, and our our guy running the ball is two thirty, two forty. The JT Barrett formula. Yeah. I so mean, you can also just use him as a running back, literally. I mean, like, if if you're gonna put him back there, he's I know, but he's a well, yes, but he's also a big dude. He's a big dude, and like, he's got that ability just to line up and take a ball. And like you know, if you're looking for someone and you don't want to use Mullings, like he can do that. Well, yeah, but it, if you're gonna do that, you might as well just put him at quarterback because he's comfortable catching snaps, and then you get an extra blocker. Sure. So, um, yeah, I just I don't know. 
There's also poor Leon Franklin. He gets mentioned occasionally in this discussion. He had that uh, touchdown against NIU called back. Yeah. Probably courtesy mentions, but we'll we'll put his name on the record. Yeah, he's 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 a possibility. And then you have C.J. Stokes, who's wearing tape to class and mm-hmm. probably a guy for the future. But, yeah, I, I, Mullings just – you watch the spring game in person, and you're like, that guy has it. Yeah. And I was watching on film, and I was like, uh, I don't really – I don't have the same vibe from it. Uh-huh. But there's something, some things you can only sort of experience in person. Yeah, like it's it just hits different when you're in the stands. Like Denard, defer, <laughs> that fumbled snap. I guess they hit pretty the same on television too. But just when you're there, you're just like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, if they had another linebacker, then he would be a running back right now. That's more about linebacker depth, I believe, than anything else. All right. Well, so if if they can get that up and running. I feel like you're looking at one of the best backfields in the country just because yeah. you have quorum, you have your short yardage covered, and then you have a uh, Swiss Army Knife X-Factor guy. So that should be pretty good. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about another panoply of riches. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley. Anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com/mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 
945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. Are you ready? Are you ready now? Are you ready? Are you ready now? To get on down. Folks, we're recording at Prentice 4M, but in the near future, we'll be moving across the street to Venue, a new place in the old Lucky's Market with a podcast studio. Maybe we'll be in a big bubble and people will be able to like feed us like fish. It'll be great. You don't have to be goofy with this, you know. I know that you're personally excited about this place. Well, I am, but like maybe, <laughs> maybe people, we got a lot of voyeurs. <laughs> Come and watch us podcast. <laughs> oh, but no, it'll it'll be great. I uh, they're they've got uh, the old chef from Logan, which is one of the best places in town, doing their menus, and mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see what he comes up with. So check it out when it opens on August 26th. All right, moving on to wide receiver and tight end, and the options just don't stop. Michigan gets Ronnie Bell back off an ACL injury suffered in the opener last year. They get Cornelius Johnson back. Roman Wilson, Andrew Anthony, Eric All, Luke Schoonmacher, and then they have a couple. All right, moving on to wide receiver and tight end, and the options just don't stop. Michigan gets Ronnie Bell back off an ACL injury suffered in the opener last year. They get Cornelius Johnson back, Roman Wilson, Andrew Anthony, Eric All, Luke Schoonmacher, and then they have a couple of freshmen who look like they could be the deal. Also, mm-hmm. A.J. Henning's around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow, that's a lot of people to be hyped about. I think we should start with Cornelius Johnson. Okay. Because... We're the only ones who are not starting with Ronnie Bell, but I think it's fair. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a hot, that's a hot take. <laughs> maybe. Maybe yeah. it is. Uh, I feel like on any other team last year, Cornelius Johnson would have neared 1,000 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. And Michigan just didn't throw the ball all year. But that wasn't because of anything Johnson did. Like, remember the uh, two-minute drill against NIU? Yeah. Which was just Cornelius Johnson catching an 87-yard touchdown pass <laughs> because he broke a guy's ankles. And then in that Indiana game, he, I think, really emerged into a guy who, you're not like, oh, that's a nice route. You're like, this is what he does. Mm-hmm. So he, he turned a guy around 360 degrees and would have had a touchdown if McCarthy had gotten lit up. He torched another dude. 
And then by the time the Ohio State game rolls around, he's just running fade routes against Ohio State corners and winning over the top. Yeah. And like he's got the athleticism. He's six foot two. He's got the route chops. Like his contested catch rate wasn't great. Like his he didn't bring in any circus catches really in our charting. Yeah, and he didn't even make the really tough catches either. Although, I mean, the it, that's not that fair. He only had 17 opportunities to make tough catches and 15 opportunities to make circus catches. So there were a lot of really hard ones, not a lot of like medium hard ones. Yeah. Uh, but part of the reason for that is he kept on being so open that those catches weren't like super hard. That's true. So, but so our our circus catches, he had 15 opportunities. He brought in how many? He brought in sorry. He brought in four out of the 15. On circus catches? Yeah. Which is still best pretty decent, but that's, you know, that's a quarter of them. Yeah. So, you know, I've been reading some NFL draft stuff on Cornelius Johnson, and one of them cited the fact that he had a 31% contested catch rate. Uh-huh. Not exactly Nico Collins territory, and something that is something to work on for a guy who's six foot two. Like that, if he can, if he can make a couple more routine catches, he did have a couple of drops, and if he could get better at contested catches... I don't really see that there's a hole in this guy's game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Cornelius Johnson, it goes back to the quarterbacks that he's the guy who was open that McNamara wasn't hitting. Right. He he could have had an absolutely huge year in a different context where Hassan yeah. Haskins isn't around. Your quarterback's more experienced and more of a gunslinger. I mean, even a Jake Rudock offense <clears throat> hits that guy. Like, remember that, that route that Rudock and Chesson had at the end? Yeah. Like, that route was Cornelius Johnson's jam. And, I mean, because that, it takes a little bit of moves to get that right. And he has that down. That's just not a route that McNamara wants to throw. And then you got Ronnie Bell, who was the leading receiver in the COVID year, uh-huh. for what's that, what that's worth, and was the leading receiver the previous year. And I think going into the COVID year, everybody was like, Oh, that guy dropped that pass against Penn State. Mm-hmm. He has bad hands, and we spent the entire off season <laughs> saying no, <laughs> railing against this concept. Yeah, because <clears throat> Shea Patterson could not like hit anything but his fingertips. Right, and he hasn't dropped the ball since. I mean, he only had twenty six catches in the COVID year, and only one before he got injured yeah. last year. But I think that he's an All Big Ten level receiver uh, as long as he's back to where he was before the injury. And that's always a question. Although these days ACLs is not that big a deal. What I'm, I'm I'm excited about is they're probably going to use him as their slot. Yeah. And Pro Football Focus after the 2019 season because the 2020 season was kind of a throwaway. Yeah. But they're they they were saying this after the 2020 season, saying that like they used him outside and he wasn't nearly as effective as an outside receiver, but as a slot, he was one of the most effective guys in the country and the most effective guy after the catch. Yeah, he really did have a knack for turning five yards into 25. There was that Penn State game two years ago. Mm-hmm. Where they just kept throwing in bubble screens, and we're like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> "This isn't supposed to be your job." That works, El Fortis. <laughs> well, and, and, there were, and there were a couple yeah. that they shouldn't have thrown because Penn State was all over it, and yeah. he juked a guy in the backfield and picked up thirty yards. And I was just like, <clears throat> "I didn't know he could do that." Yeah, well, he was the leading receiver in twenty nineteen on a team that had Nico Collins. Now, well, part mm-hmm. of that was <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on that. <laughs> but you know, this is a guy who's been in the mix for a while. The reports are he's back to 100%. Sounds like he's playing really well in, in the practices and doesn't have a lot of limitations. And what he gives Michigan, as well as Eric All and the returning tight ends, is a better third down safety valve for the, the quarterback, right? A guy who can pick yeah. up a third and five, third and six, just run a nice route, get open, move the chains. 
Yeah, and so you don't have Sainer still on offense probably much. Mm-hmm. And A.J. Henning is not a chain mover, right? He's yeah. explosive. He's a guy who's going to be across the middle. Doesn't have a big catching radius. Hasn't really been targeted downfield very much. So if you don't have Hassan Haskins and you're not going to be in third and two all the time, you're going to be in third and four sometimes, third and five sometimes. Having that Drew Dilio type guy, and that's not all Ronnie Bell is, but I think that's part of his skill set. He, he does that well. The other thing he does really well is block. Yes. And like in a Matt Weiss offense where you're running the receiver across the in the formation and actually having him kick guys out all the time, that's a big deal. Yeah, and that was one thing that I think mitigates losing Sainer still because Sainer still was also a great blocker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just don't have the targets for all the receivers they have, so it made that, that move makes sense. But Ronnie Bell is not just a good blocker. Ronnie Bell puts his midsection into your midsection, and then you're done. Right. And, and like that... They're going to use that a lot, and having him motion like that and looking for that—that that safety is waiting for you know, waiting for Ronnie Bell to hit him. And then you also have to stay with that guy. Yeah, there, there's a lot of potential, especially with all the other weapons. And we'll get to some more. But we already talked about Edwards and whatnot. Somebody's going to have leverage. If you give that guy leverage, he's going to break a tackle and get a lot. Yeah. So I, I think Ronnie Bell is another All Big Ten level receiver. I think Cornelius Johnson's an All Big Ten level receiver, and then. <laughs> <laughs> behind the two starters, you have Rowan Wilson, who's probably, you know, if he was at Ohio State, he'd be posting 4.140s on their board. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a guy who has displayed some receiving chops, mostly a really fast guy. That's a useful thing to have. Yeah. And then Andrew Anthony, who obviously blew up in the Michigan State game, had a great catch in the spring game, and Michigan didn't have the attempts or targets to get him last year. But again, if you watch this guy in person, he just gives off star vibes. He's more Braylon Edwards than I think anyone since Braylon Edwards. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the contested catches and the difficult catches. Uh, between the tough and circus catches, he was 5 of 10. 50% on difficult or circus level catches, including like the one against Penn State where like I don't even know how the ball found its way to his fingers and he somehow managed to like yeah, pop. It, yeah. He's going across the middle and it's way behind him and he manages to tip it back to himself. He had a Braylon Edwards, Braylon Fest catch against Michigan State in that right. game. He had another catch that was just spectacular where he stabbed his foot down, but that was, again, an inch into the sideline. Mm-hmm. He had one against Maryland, too. You know, he would have about one catch a week after MSU. And it he was had exactly often, one catch yeah, a week. Yeah, it was often <laughs> something pretty cool. Yeah, and just the n- n- inordinate number of difficult catches he's made so far, I think is really promising. True freshman wide receiver as well, which is you know, it's yeah. axiomatic that they suck. And I bet his routes needed a lot of work, and he's still developing that. But he has the ability to outdistance an entire secondary, albeit Michigan State's, uh, <laughs> for 93 yards. He can high point balls. He's a true freshman. He's still filling out. Like, if not for the two guys in front of him, you'd be projecting him to have a massive breakout season. Yeah, yeah. and. <clears throat> I mean, that, normally those sophomore years, because he spent the first year, we remember from all the Lloyd Carr receivers, they'd spend a year blocking, yeah. and then the next year he's, you know, Jason Avon. But, I mean, I don't want to just walk past Roman Wilson, but, like, Roman Wilson's another guy who is a, he is what he is. Andre Anthony is a lot. He could be all those things. He could be anything, yeah. Yeah. And Wilson is a, is a great guy to have on your team. He's going to make some great catches this year. He's going to have some long touchdowns. I mean, he ran that skinny post against... Uh, Joey Porter Jr., who's projected as a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And he beat him off the line and ran a great route, got a touchdown. He scored another touchdown in the Penn State game on a uh, from, like, the two or something. 
So you're right. You shouldn't write Roman Wilson off. It's just, again, it's the McNamara-McCarthy thing where you're just like, this guy, I think, is a good player. This guy <laughs> could win right, the freaking right, Heisman. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or the Bulitnikov, since wide receivers don't win the Heisman unless they're Desmond Howard. I mean, Roman Wilson is a guy that strikes me as someone who really wants J.J. McCarthy to win the quarterback job. Because there were several catches last year where he's toasting a guy deep and has to come back for the ball. He had that one against yeah. Wisconsin where he, uh, was, he had to kind of catch it over the back of the of the dude in front of him. The thing with him is that he's faster in a straight line than he is kind of agile and, and slippery. Yeah, that's true. So to me, it just seems like a guy who's going to be in the go routes, and then it's just can you get him the ball? Yeah, and then he can run a hitch or whatever, but he's yeah. not a guy you're going to want in that slot, right? Yeah. He's, he's not a two-way go guy. He's No, he can get up and he can catch the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a guy, every single defense is going to look at that guy and be really worried about who they're going to put on him. Right. And if you're going to, if you have to use up your best defend, defender on him, then like. I don't, I mean, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> but, I mean, that's the way to knock him out. He doesn't run really great routes, and he got pretty shut down against Washington because, you know, they had great cornerbacks. Well, also that Michigan just refused to throw the ball in that game, so. Yeah, but part of the reason was that he was not getting open. The And. But that's what you have to do. You have to put a guy who can keep up with him. If you try to go, you know, okay, I'm going to cheap out and I'm going to use my third cornerback on him and like put my best cornerback in the slot to take care of Ronnie Bell, you could be in trouble because he's going to just take three steps. And you're right about the McCarthy thing because you remember we got excited about Roman Wilson early on in 2020 because Joe Milton could throw <laughs> that, that one. Those rockets in between yeah, cover could, two, right? Yeah, he could hit the, the hole in cover two every time. Yeah, and Roman Wilson gets to that spot so yeah. fast. So you got those four guys, mm-hmm. and then you have A.J. Henning, who I think is going to return punts, he's going to return kicks. And then last year, he's end-around jet sweep guy, gets some screens. I don't really see his role changing very much this year because there's just no there's no way to get him more targets well, they ha- I mean, they moved Samer still over, but Samer still's job is really going to Ronnie Bell. Yeah. So I, yeah, he'll be that. I mean, you always need a backup slot, and Henning is going to be in that role. There is more. We've seen some things before from him. He's he's made some contested catches or crazy catches before. So it's not like it's not in his toolbox. But yeah. like, yeah, I, I for the moment, given what you have out there, do you really want to throw to AJ Henning or do you want to throw it to Andrew Anthony? Uh, I mean, I do think that there is a role if there. Are playing off Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people are gonna be playing off on michigan this year so that opens up a bubble screen you know aj henning running a bubble screen that ronnie bell's blocking for sounds like it should be part of the offense sure uh if they could teach that guy to block his his role increases a lot because you want a little i mean those little mountain goat dudes like once they once they're not getting the ball all the time too and you kind of have to worry about someone else like mm. that that actually is a i think that's a big x factor for how much they're going to use henning this year well and i think that Donovan Edwards might help him in a, in a way because, mm-hmm. you know, he took a couple carries as a freshman just in the backfield. So if they're having like a full on like spread age backfield role, like he could take some of those snaps. Yeah. And I mean, you want to keep him happy. Right. I mean, that's why that's another reason like Bell wants to return punts. I'm like, no, it's got to be heading because mm-hmm. like I don't want Bell one to get injured on special teams. And two, like I think heading is at least Bell's equal and you want to spread out the touches so that you keep morale up. Yeah, I mean, we can get to that in special teams, but like as far as the the receiver stuff, there's some running back things you could do with him too. Because like you kind of want to keep save quorum a little bit this year. 
and Edwards is going to be doing the Edwards stuff. There's another. There's a spot for a kind of a third down backage kind of guy, and you can use your H receiver as a second back. Basically. Yeah, I mean, if he's at all able to pass block, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, which is a, probably not. But yeah. uh, along with Donovan Edwards, AJ Henning's usage in the offense is going to depend heavily on how creative Weiss is with him and how they prioritize that. And I kind of feel with everybody we've already discussed that that might not be a huge priority. Sure. So, but we've talked about five guys. And now we're talking about two true freshmen, Morian Walker mm-hmm. and Darius Clemens, both of whom gave off serious Andrew Anthony vibes in the spring game. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, Darius Clemens, they obviously want to use. Look how many times they threw at him in the spring game. And they were all like, let's throw it down the field and show everybody what happens when you throw it down the field to Darius Clemens. So true freshmen, don't expect much, but I mean, we'll see a couple things, right? I, given everybody in front of them, I can't imagine that they get anything out of garbage time. But especially because they're both so skinny right now. Mm-hmm. Well, particularly Walker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Walker's <laughs> six foot four, one hundred eighty pounds. Like, yeah, Walker's probably not ready for prime time yet. But they love Clemens, and he early enrolled. And I thought he was a guy who was kind of under ranked in the recruiting rankings, well, even Walker as high too. as he was. Yeah, Walker, well, Walker for would, sure. Yeah, but Walker is more like. My God, this guy's ceiling is yeah first right overall and, pick, and like he shows up and like Will Johnson's like I've never seen a guy this freaky. I'm like you're Will Johnson. <laughs> like, <laughs> You've been to every seven on seven camp in the last twenty years, and you're yeah. Will Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look in the mirror, bro. I I mean, Amorian Walker is that, but I, I I saw the guy in uh, at Michigan's camp, and he is skinny. Yeah, like he really does. You don't want him out there in a. In more than like, okay, let's see what happens when we put twenty pounds on him and see where he's at at that point. Yeah, but like the way he runs, the just the, the size, the lankiness, he's going to be. Wait, jumps. Yeah, he's, like he's going to be Nico Collins two point as long as he can bulk up. Because Nico Collins came in and he's like already like two twenty or whatever. So he yeah. just needs a time. Yeah, the, next year. Let's talk about him next year. Yeah, Clemens kind of reminds me of Cornelius Johnson twenty nineteen when Michigan. Got back DPJ and got back Nico and got back Ronnie Bell. And then they were talking about Cornelius Johnson. We were like, why are we talking about him? Like, he's a true freshman. There's no reason to talk that's about That's a great him. point. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the buzz we've heard with Clemens. And, and Cornelius only had, I think, four catches in 2019. But that's kind of the role we could see Clemens in just occasionally here and there. Yeah. So one of the longstanding M- MGO blog offseason heuristics is if there's no reason to talk about a guy mm-hmm. and you're talking about him, that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. So both. Walker and Clemens are both in that category. It's like nobody should be talking about you, and here we are. O- over under, how many times we are we talking about something ridiculous? One of those guys does this year. This year, yeah, one. Okay, like there's just. I mean, maybe there'll be like I'm the, taking the over just because there's so much garbage time. This yeah, year. <laughs> that's true. Maybe I'll, we'll set it at two point five. Okay, that's what I'll set it at. And then you've got Tyler Morris. Tyler Morris, who's a former McCarthy teammate. Uh, well, they yeah, former McCarthy teammate in Illinois, right. seven on sevens all like they 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 were on the seven seven on team seven on seven teams together for years and years. And he was a guy who was tracking towards the top one hundred. Loses his junior year to COVID mostly, then gets tears his ACL <laughs> as a senior. Right. So was not healthy in the spring. Definite red shirt, but another guy who's real promising for the future. Ooh, I, I I there's a guy. Don't sit on him in the future because. Guys like that. You remember Grant Perry, who was way less talented 
than Tyler Morris. Remember how we were still excited about him and they still got to use him all the time? Yeah. Like, take that guy and, like, upgrade the talent level to a NFL receiver. And the NFL is going to love that guy. I keep on comparing him to Golden Tates because, like, so many yards after the catch. Mm. I mean, you could – Ronnie Bell is <laughs> also right out there, yeah, too. It was it's like, for the Michigan comparison, right. he's, like a, he, he's an inside-outside guy who's really skilled and will get open in the slot and has some – downfield upside and he's got a ridiculous catch radius and, what he is yeah <laughs> and then there's christian dixon and amon dennis yeah i would say it's late early for both of them because you got two freshmen being talked up and you've got andrew anthony i mean there's just so many guys in front of them and they're a couple of them are younger so i dixon's always a project to, to unwrap in a couple of years anyway so we don't even have to talk about him this year yeah but yeah <laughs> they're talking I about know. the guys that they don't have to talk about <laughs> i know and they're not talking about the other guys yeah. All right, tight end. Michigan brings back both Luke Schoonmaker and Eric All. Both guys are graded as potential third-round picks in early NFL draft evaluations. Um, and you can see it with both of them. Obviously, All is much more polished and came in as a very tenacious blocker. Still not a fullback, but graded out exceptionally well in your grading. God, I loved him. I And I, I kept on wanting to, like, be the only one talking about him, and then everyone else would jump in too. But my uh, my plus uh, minus on him in running was plus one thirty five minus minus thirty three, which is that's okay. nuts. That's offensive lineman. No, it's not. Awesome. <laughs> that's that's like an awesome guard level of blocking, and that's because Michigan Michigan saw it too, and they were using him as the guy they were running off of. So like even Michigan was saying, okay, who do we want to run behind? What do we want to do? Let's have Stuber block down or Hayes block down and then run inside Eric Hall. And he is great at that. And then every single time I was like, man, am I overgrading this dude? I would flip over the defense that week and see what would happen when guys tried to do that against Michigan's ends. And no one else's tight ends could do the same thing. All is just very good. Michigan loves running him across the formation and using him as the kickout block. And every single time he impacts somebody, they go down and there's room to run behind. Which is weird because he's not one of the more like physically imposing tight ends. Well, he was a flex guy had. when he came in, right? Everybody's like, "Is this guy a wide receiver?" Well, we, we suggested using him as a wide receiver. Well, even as a freshman, though, like he'd block someone, and you'd be like, "Oh, that shouldn't be going as well as it's going." Uh huh. And now that he's up to like two fifty ish, like two fifty five. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think that he probably is going to be Michigan's best tight end since I've been paying close attention. Like Jake butts <laughs> up there. But he was just a superlative pass catcher, and he was a guy who broke even on the ground. Right. And we're seeing some hints from all that he is going to be the guy that he was reputed to be as a recruit, Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate receiving tight end. And so far, you know, he had some frustrating drops early in his career. Those largely went away last year, and he had a couple opportunities to make spectacular catches, which he did. And when Michigan needed somebody to kind of, like, convert a third down— he was usually their best option. You remember the Nebraska game, they saved their bacon on three different third downs. Or maybe one of them was a second long or something. But they, you know, they're so used to him as a blocker that when he goes out into a route, you know, they're not, they're not looking for it. They're not ready for it. And he can make a lot of yards after the catch. It's not easy to bring down. Well, they used him on that delay a lot. Yeah. And they can't do that this year. <laughs> like, that's going to get scouted to death, right? Sure, but I mean, you're still going to have uh, delays always work because tight ends, if they're blocking half the time on pass on pass sets, 
right on a third and long, you have the tight end set and back. I mean, I'm not you saying have, that you still... can't, can't do it. You can't do it on third and 12 anymore. No, right? no. But, like, <laughs> like, but he will break a tackle more often than he won't. And, I mean, I keep coming back to his blocking because I, I try to remember when the last time we were grading a guy that well. And here's some, here's Seth named some guys, our Martel <laughs> Webb. Martel Webb, wow. Remember him? No. <laughs> yeah, I figured you of all, if, if anyone could remember him, I was like hoping right. to be in this room. Because uh, in 2010, he was like the secret weapon of the offense. Like Rich Rod was actually like, oh, tight ends are fun to run behind. <laughs> and like they were doing a lot of the same stuff with him. Now, he wasn't a receiver of any kind, so no one no. remembers him. But like that's the last guy who was this effective as a blocker. Well, and then we had one of the weirder offseason quotes, mm. perhaps ever. Uh-huh. Where all was yeah, like just, oh man, I wish I could be as good of a blocker as Schoonmaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> well, one point about all's blocking, he graded out really well against Georgia. And he was one of the only blockers who graded out really well in that game. Mm-hmm. And to his catch uh catching ability, do you remember that fifty fifty ball he came down with against Iowa where they just threw it up to him in the end zone and then he went and got it? Like mm-hmm. there's some more potential there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, as a recruit, he was going to, like, Michigan's camp and Ohio State's camp, and everybody was like, this guy catches everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. And he shows up, and he's just this, like, mountain goat guy who occasionally gets a target. And he did have some unfortunate drops early, as I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> let's talk about Schoonmaker a little bit. Had a spectacular catch that was about two inches out of bounds in the Indiana game. Um, came up with another couple of big catches in that game. Six foot six, bigger than all. 260 now, going to be a high school quarterback out of New England, always a guy who is going to need some time to develop into an all-around player, particularly as a blocker. And going over your charting, he picks up a lot of minus twos. Mm -hmm. But when he actually gets it right and locks into someone, they go a long distance. Yeah, I mean, he is very athletic. Uh, I, I think a lot of the minus twos were contextual. So, like... Kobe Dean's going to get around a guy. You have this to... was like against Northern Illinois. Yeah, so, well, that was, and that was earlier in the season. So he's a guy who came along over the course of the season. What I think Eric All was talking about, if I had to guess at what he what he means there, All had a tendency to kind of lock into his guy and just focus on the dude he's got to block and then kind of looks behind him to see where the running back is. Schoonmaker's always kind of looking for the next thing, and he's the guy way more likely to kind of – if somebody ducks inside of him, just kind of shove him down and actually move out and become an extra blocker and get, like, multiple blocks on a... He also was a guy who, I mean, Wisconsin just messed him up. Like, he, he could not get around... He could not get down to those linebackers. Mm-hmm. And when you're the inline tight end, that's, you know, a big part of that run game is get there before the linebacker gets there. So he, he kind of came along during the season. The Iowa game was just eye-opening because he was the best tight end on the field in that game, and that was an Iowa game where, like, Iowa just spits out these guys all the time. And that he had that contested catch on a um, on a skinny post mm-hmm. where, like, you you that's an NFL throw to tight ends all the time. And Michigan usually doesn't even bother with those because their tight ends weren't coming down with them. So, and you saw the Indiana catch too. I mean, the guy has athleticism in spades, and I think it just took that long to get him ready to go. Yeah, and this is a guy who's probably still improving rapidly, right? Mm-hmm. Because we mentioned high school quarterback, COVID year barely counts. Like he's still a guy with a lot of upside to explore. And I think on, as we keep saying, on any other team, <laughs> people would be pro- projecting a massive breakout for him. But he's got all next to him. He's got a bunch of other guys competing for targets. 
So you're looking at maybe 15 to 20 balls, a couple of them spectacular, improved blocking. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of depth here too. Uh, Hibner, Colson Loveland, maybe a little bit too early for him. You have Joel Honigford back for a sixth year. You know that Harbaugh's going to slap 80 on an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's really worth talking about I mean, the rest Louis of these Hansen, guys. I, mean, I think Michigan was preparing for all and Schoonmaker to, to leave early. And if they did, Hibner and Hansen were kind of ready. It's just there's no way to see it because how much are you going to put in your fourth and fifth tight ends? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> scant snaps for all these guys. And if anybody's going to really see any kind of time, it's probably Honigford because he'll have a role in goal line packages. Yeah, I think you're going to see Hibner and Hansen more than you will Carter Seltzer this year, which is like a thing last year. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Seltzer. Hibner's in his third year in the program now. Like, they got to get him some catches. I mean, how are they going to, how? At some point, I mean, I mean garbage, garbage time, time whenever, yeah. like, you've got to get him on the field just yeah, to I mean, see what you have. Yeah, I mean, got him on the field last year, but just he was just blocking. And he actually had a really good block in the spring game. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll play garbage time, but just in terms of, like, meaningful minutes, there just aren't any. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it baffled me that they brought Honigford back for a sixth year. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we need to bring back the the Brad Hawkins jokes about uh, Joel Honigford. I, I just remember he was sleeper of the year. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. During these challenging times, it is important to have a Michigan man in your corner. If you or someone in your life has questions, concerns, or just want to discuss your legal rights, give attorney Jonathan Paul a call at 248 924-9458 or visit his website michiganlawgrad.com John asks you all to be safe we're going to get through this together and as always, go blue It's painless, it's online it's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, 
or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter. Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Let's all get joke. together and make it happen. That's the joke. All I right. know. It's so funny. Seth, give me your hottest take. Michigan is really going to miss Hassan Haskins. That's not a hot no, take. Hot. It's, I mean, Blake Corum could be the best running back in the country. <sighs> uh-huh. And Donovan Edwards could be the second best running back in the country. Uh, it's happened before. It happened last year that Michigan's best two backs were the best. What, Alex, this is this a hot take? So if Michigan, has, oh. if Michigan has the best two backs in the country and they really miss a guy, yeah. that's kind of a hot take. This is Khalil Mulling slander. I won't stand for it. That's what it is. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. I, I don't think that they can afford him. to Literal Superman. And he, or possibly his dad, I forget. Here's my point. Michigan right. went on 58% Kyle. of... Uh, go for it situations. Third and two, yeah. four, or sorry, fourth and two, we're fourth and one, right? Okay. And uh, they made most of those, and they probably should not have made a lot of them. Uh... So, I mean, you flip those, and those are very high. Uh, those are big events. I think you were threatened by the fact that Alex went back and listened to the podcast from last year. I'm and not. And so your hot take nope. is not hot at all because you don't want Alex to be like, that was silly. You shouldn't have said that. No, because last year I was all about Hassan Haskins, and this year I'm all about Hassan Haskins. Uh, this is this is me doing the me. All right. <laughs> Alex, give me your hottest take. Luke Schoonmacher will lead Michigan re- receivers in touchdown catches. What? Wow. Wow, that is a Never hot take. He had two that against Indiana. About, can we talk about the energy that Alex just gave? <laughs> <laughs> voice? A lot. Actually, I mean, you got to do that again. They're down, right. Alex. you got to do it again. Okay. You gotta, you're no, the, no, no. He doesn't have to do it again. No, yeah, he does. He doesn't have to do anything again. No, I, I am demanding energy out that he, he, he brings <laughs> it. Bring it. 
Luke Schoonmacher will lead I mean, Michigan was, receivers in touchdown catches. All right, that's good. That's Jim Cornette energy right here. I <laughs> love it. But no, he had two against Indiana. He had that's one right. against Iowa, I think, yeah. in the Big Ten Championship game. They, he's six six size. I think he's going to be a red zone weapon. All right. Uh, all right. Eric All was out for that Indiana game is the only thing. That's, mm-hmm. uh, but that is actually a hot take, unlike whatever that was. I, well, one, of the <laughs> one of the reasons it's hot is that Luke Schumacher um, is like not made a lot of those catches. Like he, he yeah. did get a couple against Iowa, yeah. but in his career so far, that's kind of been the thing is that he like just doesn't bring that one in. Well, know? he was also a project tight end, right? Yeah, they he's also quarterback, a quarterback. So I think yeah. there's a chance he takes yeah. another step. Right. Yeah, Randy, give me your hottest take. DJ Henning will score ten touchdowns this season. It's a lot of end arounds. <laughs> ten. I mean, ten. I think. First of all, I think he is a favorite target of JJ McCarthy, who I believe will take the starting job at some oh, point. Okay. That, I and I think you know you look at the way he, he threw him, and he just loves that guy. So I do believe that uh, there'll be some end arounds. There'll be some just a lot of weird stuff because of what Seth had said about missing Hassan Haskins. There's going to be a little more trickeration around the goal line. And I can see AJ Henning huge part in all of that. I do think he'll have a couple of games where he scores two touchdowns a game. And I mean, I I can see us playing some postseason ball too. So and around and and touchdowns. (laughs) Well, maybe they can throw it to him with, uh, with Edwards, Jason, give me your hottest take. All right, you kind of touched on it. Donovan Edwards will have more touchdown passes this year than Alan Bowman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see that. What if the halfback option is the three flea flicker of 2022? Okay, we're know. demanding both of them, actually. We're like, Amen. one every Agreed. game. Was was it Randy who like spoke things into existence last year? Yes. Yes. It's, that was right. Jason. There were like three, <laughs> three predictions that maybe I passed it on to Jay. I passed it through blood to yeah. Jason. Like he, yeah, he but, talked up and, Andrew Anthony what if before the start... Michigan State game. Yeah, that's true. Right before the Michigan State that's game. That's right. That's right. What What if though they start make plays off of the flea flicker, set up for the flea flicker, and then just start? You know how like the. RPO stuff, you can do whatever you want once the guy makes the read. It's yeah. like, what if they're starting to make like crazy reads on a flea flicker? Do a flea flicker and Great. then hand the ball off again. Here's here's where you <laughs> here's what you have to survive to make this true. Then flip pass. it back and flick it again. Yeah, flea, if, a flea fi- flicker shovel pass back to the guy who flicked it. Here, here's here's your problem with making this happen. Colorado State in the fourth quarter, Yukon in the fourth quarter, Hawaii in the fourth quarter, and you know Oh, you're back to the Bowman thing. The Bowman okay. thing. Okay. Bowman's going to have. What if Davis Warren is the third? I think Davis Warren, Warren jumps him, and or and then it becomes it's, an orgy. You're party. still into Bowman Davis territory Warren. in some of these games. Have you seen UConn? I think orgy party <laughs> is redundant. All right, then it so an orgy. I, I mean, you, like there could be more me... like Bowman to uh, what's his name, Christian Dixon passes than Donovan. That's not supposed to be a hot. If take. you told, if yeah. you told me that, if Go. you told me that Davis Warren was our fourteenth president who only served three days, and I'll be like, yeah, probably. All right. All right, here's mine. Cornelius Johnson's going in the first round of the NFL draft. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Now, you got to 
account for the fact that Michigan ran the ball one time against Ohio State in, in that second half and mm-hmm. put up 42 points. Only had 39 catches, 620 yards last year. That's not first-round material. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the routes he's running, he's open mm-hmm. by yards. And Kyle Hamilton just went in the first mm-hmm. round, Notre Dame safety. And one of the things that we got hyped about him as a recruit is he went to like his under oh, Cornelius, game. yeah, and he torched that guy, and like he's just running straight up phase against Ohio yeah. State and getting getting over the top. Like he has the athleticism, he has the route running chops. He's six foot two. Really, the only piece that he's got to put together is his contested catch rate, and maybe that comes along. He's not Nico Collins yet, but I think he's got to he's going to put it all together. No, but. Maybe if he has a quarterback that can throw him the ball in stride, that'd be fun too. <laughs> hey, McNamara just his problem Hey-o. was he didn't throw the ball to him enough. Like when he threw right. it, it was right. all right. All right, if you can't get enough Sklars, check out the nosebleeds on UFC one. It is a recreation of cheap seats, except with UFC content. <laughs> There's a man with one boxing glove, you gotta see it. Yes. One glove doing boxing stuff. One heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get together and sign a giant novelty check. So the offensive line coming off uh, one of the better years in recent program history. I, I think you can say that pretty safely with the what the 2.7% uh, sack rate. Defending Joe Moore Award <laughs> champions. <laughs> and hard to say they didn't deserve it. And Michigan gets three starters back off that line. They get a... Incoming transfer from a Remington finalist that Seth is going to now try to pronounce. Olu Oluwatimi. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to stick with Olu for obvious reasons. And then they just got to patch the hole that Andrew Stuber left at right tackle. So by any standard, this looks like it should be a very good offensive line. I mean, you might be upgrading at center. Uh, I'm probably the world's biggest Andrew Vistardis fan. <laughs> I mean, like you were last yeah. year, you were terrified. Yeah. Well, I, the Michigan was organized. Yeah. And that's that's the center thing, right? Right. And like you're, you're like who who's going to be able to keep them as organized as we started? Because he was like a sixth year walk on. Like you know, the, the that was what he was there for. He would actually get pushed around when he tried to block people. And he, sometimes he held his own. He reached block guys. It was a come down from Ruiz. Let he me get, tell you that. I mean, okay, first round <laughs> he did, pick. He did reach block buys, but th- that was not a reach blocking offensive line. That's not yeah, what they do. I know, but they they block down. But my, this is, I'm leading into Oluwatimi because what has he seen more than almost anyone, maybe anyone in the country? Uh, Weird pass rushes. Virginia <sighs> is the number was the number one team in standard down pass rate, so they pass the ball all the time. And when they're not passing the ball, it's probably the cornerback. The, the quarterback is like taking off behind him. Mm. So he's seen it all because no one thinks that, that Virginia is going to be running. And he's been doing this for three years. The guy's got 32 straight starts and 36 overall. So if you're wanting to like, yeah, big ups to Bronco Mendenhall for retiring. Yes, thank you very much. We got Andrew Gentry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's like single-handedly restocking the Michigan offensive line. So my only questions with Olu are transition stuff right so we talk about how portal guys are often coming into a new system and it's right. difficult for them to pick up and michigan is a jim harbaugh offense doing all kinds of weird stuff and organization is really important yes i don't think that this guy can't do it like clearly he he has in the past it's just like how quickly can he grasp what michigan is doing and put it in action 
Now, he's got a month mm-hmm. of live game action to, to warm up, basically. And that's pretty much my only concern with him. Because otherwise, you know. And he was here in spring, and like if you put a microphone near anybody in the program, one of the first guys they talk about is him. Well, yeah. And, and how well he's picking up the system. And he wasn't exactly at Michigan State, right? Like, he's right. coming from Virginia. Yeah. This is a guy with capacity. <laughs> and the intangibles are really good. He was a leader, I think a two-time captain at Virginia, smart guy. I mean, there's no reason to be really concerned here. There was a quote from Mozzie Smith saying that he hadn't lined up against anybody as strong as Oluwatimi since Cesar Ruiz. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, take take a little bit off the top for best, best artists because he was in the program for so long. Yeah. He just knew everything. But... Uh, Olatini seems like he's fit in pretty quickly. And there was a quote from Sharon Moore early in the uh, early in spring where they said they were just having the offensive linemen do a lot more reading themselves. And the fact that you would put that on a first-year center, on a guy just who just joined your program a couple of weeks ago, tells me that like at least they trust him well enough not to be like, okay, you need some training wheels here. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't think he needs training wheels. I'm just – that's the that's – the, that's the, I'm not being a devil's advocate. I think it's a real concern, but that's pretty much the only one you have with him. Yeah. Um, moving on to the two guards. <laughs> I love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Under, I mean, you want to talk about people who are stars that no one's talking about. Well, so I picked uh, Zach Zinter as my breakout guy in Hail the Victors. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that he was already second team Big Ten last year. Despite the fact that he rotated much of the season. Because he, he had a club on his right. Hand. Yes, <laughs> I was getting to that. And he played the whole year with not like one of those, like, I've got fingers still cast. He had a club on his hand right. as an offensive lineman. Right. And he was honorable mention of the coaches, which is the real All-Big Ten, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Second team of the media. And ever since Zach Zinter showed up on campus, every single person has just been pointing at him and being like, this guy. And not just in Michigan. They're, you know... Online uh, O line coach Twitter is a thing, and they always just like pick out dudes that they they see like doing ridiculous blocks. And Zinter is like one of their favorites. Like, oh, this guy again. Uh, who is the Notre Dame guard who went like fourth overall a few years ago? Oh shoot! Because I think that's the yeah. kind of upside we're talking here. Yeah, where I mean, like it's the guy on the Colts, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. Nelson. And uh, Zinter was like a red shirt. Freshman last year? Well, technically redshirt because 2020 didn't count, but he started in 2020 right. as a true freshman. So, but this is his second year in a program. Yeah. He's got one hand the whole year, mm-hmm. and he's already doing the things that he's doing. Yeah. like, And the end of the year was gangbusters. His grades last five weeks were crazy, and he was a plus two and a half against Georgia, up right. against their defensive tackles. Right. So... I am thinking he can be an All-American, or at least deserve. Yeah. He can be in that stratosphere. Like, maybe he doesn't get the recognition, but Pro Football Focus is grading him like it. We're grading him like that. And he's the kind of guy that you can base your, base your offense around because, I mean, there are, there are big maulers on the inside, big Wisconsin-like dudes. And then to get any better than that, you have to have agility. Like, getting down and picking off linebackers. And that was the thing Zinter was able to do. He was getting to... Georgia linebackers. He was getting to Wisconsin's linebackers. That ain't easy. That's like, and and when the sometimes Michigan did run zone, the other guy who was actually getting around blockers and like looked like a zone blocker was Zinter. Yeah. So I mean that agility is up there. 
And then uh, Keegan wasn't that far behind. Yeah. Like he's had another year in the program. Mm -hmm. He's six foot six. So he's not ideally suited. People thought he was more of a right tackle when he came in. Right. But he also alternated a lot because Michigan had Filiunga last year and he was still kind of coming into his own. But just in terms of size, strength, and ability to move, like he's in that ballpark. Yeah, I his ability to move is certainly less than yes, Sinter's. Yes. Uh but my comp for him is Graham Glasgow because he's smart. I mean, he's the guy who when he was getting plus twos, it was because somebody did some weird twist mm-hmm. and brought a guy and he picked it up and dealt with it in a way that turned that into a negative for the defense. And I mean, didn't Michigan didn't see a lot of crazy stuff because you really couldn't do crazy stuff against the way which Michigan was running against you. But any time they did, he was the guy most likely to turn that into a positive. And, I mean, remember Glasgow, kind of stiff, wasn't super fast, decent blocker. And he just – but when you're smart on the interior I, and you're good enough and you're I, strong I enough. I think that's a little harsh on, on Graham Glasgow. No, no, but I'm not saying – but I'm not saying – Graham Glasgow wasn't Zach Zinter. Sure. He, but was, he, was, he was like a third round or fourth round pick, wasn't he? And he's a, and he's a very good off and he's a good offensive lineman in the pros, right? So he's the, got some athleticism, right, right? But being able to make those decisions on the fly is a big part of offensive line work. And Keegan, he's another guy who, like, when the rosters came out, he was down sixteen pounds, mm-hmm. and you know, all weight, all weight loss, right? Is good. All, all weight gain is good. right. But then that was one of the things the program mentioned was that like he was carrying a lot of weight last year. And honestly, like, he didn't have a problem moving anybody. A lot of times his problem was just a little bit of the agility. Thing. Right. So, I mean, if he's a lot lighter and stronger and, you know, that guy moving up to his, you know, sophomore year, let, let's go. All right. And then the tackles, I guess I would say I have some questions about the tackles. So you have a new yeah. starter on the right, Trent A. Jones. He's a guy who the program's been talking about for a long time. Uh, he was... The 80 last year, he was the, mm-hmm. the 80 tight end. Did a solid job in that role. Um, a guy who's sort of naturally moving up into the place, and he's a guy who you can expect to be a good starter. Beat out a guy with some serious experience in Carson Barnhart. Mm-hmm. And so, there's been no discussion. Yeah. yeah, He's just been the guy. So that looks like it'll be solid. But new starter, always have some questions. And then on the other side, Ryan Hayes, a left tackle, started off great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... When he got into the big boys, he Abikite uh, kind of took him to. Took him to well, I, I'm I'm talking about on the ground too. Yeah. So like he started off with some really good grades in UFR, and then when he got to bigger, better defensive linemen, he couldn't move. Yeah. Because he's remember he was a tight end in high school. Like he's always been a guy to develop. I mean, he was moving the Washington guys who were hyped up. No, their ends were bad. Their tackles were. But hyped he was up. going against their tackles because the way Michigan was running him was they blocked down with him and used. The tight ends for the well, ends. they they were we 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 talked about this. They were yeah. terribly overrated. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so that that was the point. But like Michigan State, the guys who are like um, the guys who had wily tackles who are also super strong. They gave him a little trouble. But I mean, his his ceiling was the Penn State pass rushers. That's where he was like. That's where he was like, oh, I've got this. And the answer was, you don't. You don't. And Ebikite went in the first round. Yeah. So not exactly a, a slouch he was going up against. And for much of the year, it wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't cope that well against Georgia. No. Oh. Uh, yeah. So you're you're still expecting him to 
continue improving, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a developmental guy, second year as a starter, still adding weight, a guy who just needs experience and still has the frame that made him a projectable left tackle. Yeah, and he's a lot bigger than uh, Trent A. Jones. I mean, he is a tr- left tackle size left tackle. Right. It's just, <clears throat> yeah, he is not a Luan or Long. He just does not have that level of agility. He's got a high level of agility. He's a B-plus guy. His fifth, it's his fifth year. I'm not sure we're going to get a whole lot more than him. But I mean, <laughs> offensive lineman. Yeah. He was a project from the start. So. Yeah, yeah, and offensive linemen often continue to improve longer than other positions. Sure. Like, even the cornerback, he just is who he is, right? But, oh, well, you take the wrong step. Yeah. And you're... <laughs> You're done. Last year, Ryan Hayes was kind of like the test to see whether you're an elite pass rusher. Because if you're elite, you were getting around him. But then teams like Ohio State that, yeah, pass rushers were maybe not uh, as good, didn't do as well against him. Yeah, I mean, he was not a problem against Ohio State. No. The other they didn't pass against Ohio State. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> the other note uh, here is is about Trenty Jones. You may recall in his recruiting profile, he was a guy in high school on a team with a five star offensive tackle, and the coach said that Trenty Jones was the better tackle of the two. Yeah, and that guy went to Tennessee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I'm kind of buying the Trenty Jones hype as yeah. as a whole. I mean, in terms of we have this narrative around a new starter, mm-hmm. he checks pretty much every box. The only one that he doesn't check is like this guy is basically Taco Charlton, yeah, shaped, <laughs> right? Like where it's Taco Charlton walks out the bus and you're like, oh, so that's no, like I, the yeah. one thing that he doesn't have. No, he's six four, not six seven, right? Yeah, and 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 it's noticeable, but I mean, he moves people, and look how many guys they've been bringing in. Like, there's just so many Carson Barnhart. We'll get to him in a second, but like he's started four games at tackle for Michigan, and Trent Jones. You know what Alex said earlier. He passed him right away. There was no question in spring. It's like, oh, this is the guy. Yeah. So this projects as one of the better offensive lines in the country. I think we can say that. You know, you just wonder about like what's your upside at left tackle, and how smoothly is your center going to fit in after transferring, and then what are you getting from Trent a. Jones? Wanna, Those are minor questions in the context of an offensive line. I want to point out, like Sharon Moore's first year as an offensive line coach, they win the Joe Moore Award. No, we're not going to talk about Sharon Moore, because Sharon Moore is going to stay. He's going to get a nice pay raise, and he's going to stay. If they have to rename the award for him. The Joe Sharon Moore Award? Oh, just get rid of Joe. Okay. Joe is a Notre Dame. You know why they name it the Joe Moore Award? It's a complete sidetrack. Because the guy who played for Joe Moore was a Notre Dame offensive lineman who had a lot of money. He was like, I'm going to endow an award for my offensive line coach. Well, yeah. So... So, Carson Barnhart is the number six. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good spot to be in. He's got a lot of experience. He's graded out decently. He's very flexible, so he can play pretty much anywhere along the line. I think the one place you're a little bit nervous is if he has to be left tackle, because it doesn't look like anybody else is able to sw- swap over there. Honestly, I trust him more at left tackle than I do at left guard, because he was swimming at guard last year. Well, he and I mean, play, like... Yeah, he went against Michigan State, and they've got a really good defensive tackle, but, I mean, that... There was a big noticeable drop off from Filiango, who was the sixth guy, or was the, like the the other guard last year, to Barnhart. And when Barnhart looked good, it was in 2020 when they put him out at tackle because everyone was injured, mm. and he he did fine against teams that have like Penn State had pretty good pass rushers, and he survived against that. All right. So I mean, I could trust him as a tackle. You are the one who did the UFRs last year, so I will defer to your <laughs> OL knowledge. Um, <clears throat> 
But in terms of him being your first guy off the bench, that's a really good situation to be in. Yeah, yep. yeah, a guy who started, you know, what six games in his yeah. career. Yeah, and like, then once you get past him, though, it's a little dicey because you have Crippen who's backing up at center. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him at all. You have people talking about Reese Atterbury. Haven't seen him at all, and this is just sort of natural. It just feels like after Barnhart, everybody else is a year away, and like next year it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, this is the next generation coming up. Though. Right. So, like, the, the reason we haven't seen them is because they're all freshmen last year. And, like, this year, right. so now they're, they're usable. There's a there's a, that, that gap, right? Because yeah. you've had some guys transfer out. You had kind of a, a couple of OL classes that were a little thin. And other than Barnhart, which, again, is a good situation, there's, like, just, like, you look at the depth chart by class, and there's, like, a hole in the middle of it. Yeah, right. this is where, ideally, you'd want Zach Carpenter Nolan Rumler to have been, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really work out. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but those guys left also because they were losing playing time to Reese Atterbury last year. Well, Carpenter didn't. The Carpenter left. Yeah, he left. In Carpenter, but, you know. Uh. Yeah, but I mean that. <laughs> but but Atterbury is the guy that they've seen really high on, and and Alhadi is the guy after him too. Yeah, so and he's a very high profile recruit. Yeah, so. I have I have high hopes for Alhadi, but it does feel like if pressed into service, this is not going to go that way. Well. Right, you're you're in that. You know, it could be the 2000 line, but if you remember the backups of the 2000 line were like the guys who didn't start until 2002. Like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want all those guys in there yet. Well, but, a point in Crippen's favor is that he was basically the second string center as a true freshman last year, and just sped right in, pushed some other guys out of the way like Atterbury and Raheem Anderson, who were also centers. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some hope there. The other note: Atterbury had a bad injury in the spring. He was. In a in a cast for a while, but he's back to full strength, I guess, and practicing. So good news for him. Yeah, and, and in terms of like concerns we have about the offensive line, it's like, well, if they suffer two injuries, it might be bad. Is <laughs> pretty high up. There. Yeah, although they did suffer two injuries last year, and that's how we got to Barnhart. But like, you know, that's not that likely to happen. You're not going to go through your whole year without one injury. But you know, Jeffrey Percy is the last guy we haven't talked about. He's like the next guy at tackle. And he's a Ryan Hayes who is now in his third year. Yeah. So like he that... could be. Yeah. And he's definitely a left tackle type. He's six foot eight, if yeah. I'm correct. Yeah. And another tight end convert yeah. that like probably has the feet, has the length, might not have the size yet to survive, but probably like you know he's not going to get your quarterback killed kind of guy. Right. And that's if that's a problem. They, they might have one guy who's kind of a weak blocker, at right? Left tackle, <laughs> and he's fine protecting on passing downs. He'll probably survive. All right, that was highly optimistic. Let's take a break and come back and put it all together. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. 
If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. During these challenging times, it is important to have a Michigan man in your corner. If you or someone in your life has questions, concerns, or just want to discuss your legal rights, give attorney Jonathan Paul a call at 248 924-9458 or visit his website michiganlawgrad.com John asks you all to be safe we're going to get through this together and as always, go blue It's painless, it's online it's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or, under, or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. segment this week which is for ticket iq who's been our ticket buddies for a very long time and finally decided okay seth i'll do your podcast they want to do it because they think that we're good about talking about certain tickets that are out there so they said pick a ticket that you see on the secondary market and discuss it and then it's got to be on you know on ticket iq which most tickets are anyway and I can give you the price because they don't sit and just like pretend the fees don't exist until you go to checkout. They actually tell you what the price is. Um, so the one I'm looking at right now is, you know, I can't guarantee this exact ticket's going to be there right now, but for about uh, 280 right now, you can get into the Michigan State game. And Michigan State tickets are probably going to be 250 to 300 up until like unless you want to buy tickets like the day of. Okay, yeah, you. I have no experience doing any of this. Oh, this is how I ticketed for a very long time. <laughs> I actually have not. I actually 
went a long time without Michigan season tickets just because it's kind of a better deal to do it this way. The problem is always on these big games, right? Mm -hmm. And Michigan State, because Michigan State fans want to go to the game too, is always a tough ticket, and you're going to end up paying, you know, $300 a ticket for these seats. If you're going to pay $300 for, for one of these seats, here's my recommendation. Corner of the end zone is way better than the end zone. And usually the prices are pretty much close to each other. It might be like a 5 or $10 difference. So if you're looking at one in Section 13 and one in Section 18, it's no, it's no question. I mean, like, just pay a little bit more and go for the corner. You actually get a really good view in Michigan Stadium in those corners. And, I mean, one corner is obviously student section, but that's kind of been my trick to, like, massively upgrade your seat without paying for, you know, the next level up. All right. Well, sounds like a deal. What's that website again? TicketIQ.com. <laughs> so I, I think in the history of our preview podcasts, there has not been a single side of the ball that we have been as uniformly positive about as this year's offense. Well, we haven't talked about an offense that returns most of the players from the S&P number 10 offense. Right. So I mean, we're we're coming back. I mean, even in 2019 is the offense that like is most comparable, right? That we've actually been able to discuss in the past. And you know, even then, 2018 was not a highly ranked offense because they struggled out of the gate so much. So I mean, your ceiling is JJ McCarthy <laughs> looks like incredible Heisman candidate. Your ceiling is one of the best receiver cores in the country. Your ceiling is the returning Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line, adding a Remington center and a right tackle who beat out four guys who are plausible. And, like, okay, I mean, your floor can't even... Your floor is really high. Yeah. I mean, your floor is... McNamara is a little bit improved from last year. Hayes is basically the same. You miss Haskins a little bit on short yardage, and everything else is as good or better. You get Ronnie Bell back. Right. You get Andre Anthony <laughs> becoming a sophomore. Like that's that's crazy. That's a crazy floor. Yeah. So I have a question here. What is the lowest rank in SP plus offense that will make you satisfied with this performance? Fifth. <laughs> is that high? I think that's fair. I mean, for me the big question here is what Seth mentioned with twenty nineteen, where you in that year it was a new scheme, yes, but you bring back a, a returning quarterback. You bring back a really good offensive line. You bring back a bunch of wide receivers. And in the end, it was way less than the sum of the parts. And it was a missed opportunity. So making that not happen this time is the biggest factor to me. Because you look at these groups, this should be a top five offense. You look at every positional group, the protection, the running game, the receivers. I mean, Shea Patterson was massively disappointing that year. Yeah. And that was the year where Josh Gaddis was like, yeah, I wish he wasn't golfing so much. Yeah, and the year where they threw out the running game in October, and then right, and Gaddis, like, and Gaddis did a terrible job that year. Yeah, like fair was that that was the year with the Army game, right? Correct. Yes, I mean that was the worst game plan I've ever seen. Uh, says the man who's charted Al Borges and <laughs> I mean, and Mike DeBoer, <laughs> it's, it's up there. <laughs> My God, they just ran split zone. I don't want to argue this because there's bad memories in there, but you're right. You are right, and and it was a very obvious thing that Army was doing and a very obvious way to exploit it, and they didn't do anything about it. Um, they also had Shea Patterson hurt at the beginning of the year. You remember, like, the first yeah. carry. and he refused to pull the ball the rest of the season. Remember in the yes. Illinois game where they ran the same play twice in a row, so he'd pull it on the second one? Uh-huh. 
And uh, so this this year needs to not be that. I mean, that uh, honestly, if Cade McNamara doesn't regress massively, it's not going to happen. Because that's what happened with Patterson. Yep, he was it did. So, no question. So much worse than anyone could have reasonably projected. And if they got, I mean, Patterson was actually good in the Ohio State game in 2019, but he was awful against Alabama. And if Michigan got anything from their quarterback, if they got Cade McNamara base level quarterbacking in that game, they beat Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, I remember tweeting out something. It would be nice if uh, Patterson could hit anybody, like have a receiver touch a ball more than 10 yards downfield. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, it stipulated. But even if that happens, you just bench Cade McNamara. <laughs> <laughs> and then you bring in your five-star. Right. Yep. Right. It's not, it, it, it's, it's not McCaffrey behind him anymore. It's, you know, it, it's a guy that everyone's just waiting to see. You do have a new offensive coordinator yep. this year, so Weiss might. How do we feel about this? Uh, I mean, <laughs> this has been like a point of contention for years, like, how much of last year's offense was Josh Gaddis, and how much of it was Jim Harbaugh? Right. And I feel like Michigan threw the ball once in the second half against Ohio State. <laughs> Speed and space stuff was mostly not there. And Josh Gaddis left for Miami in a huff after the season. To me, I know that Josh Gaddis is kind of messy. <laughs> but to me, that points to like, for all the talk about it being Josh Gaddis' show, it was still not. Yeah, and I mean, Ga- Josh Gaddis was the one sitting at home wondering why is he interviewing with the Vikings, and Matt Weiss was the guy on the plane with him that he was like, me and my guy are going, right? Mm-hmm. So if Harbaugh took the job, Matt Weiss would be the OC of the Vikings right now. I mean, it's, it's not a guy that like Harbaugh doesn't believe in. Now, I don't know if that's comforting or not, but it's his guy. I don't. I mean, I think that Harbaugh's done enough hiring that you can give him the benefit of the doubt, especially when we're talking about structure of an offense. Like, of all the... I, I don't want to go through the history of his offensive coordinators in Michigan, though, because sometimes Harbaugh's been a, had a guy who, like... His, his offensive coordinators at Michigan have been Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> Josh Gaddis, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, so... But, I mean, you're going to have someone calling the plays up there, and there's going to be some mistakes made. Uh, you know, Gaddis was probably getting a better feel for it. Where I give com- Gaddis complete credit is he was really good at designing the passing game so that the quarterback has somewhere to go with the ball at the snap. And, I mean, that's been a Gaddis thing for going back to when he was at Penn State or Alabama. That's always been, like, his calling card. Uh, because he was a wide receivers guy. He understands how they are going to convert that uh, – that position pre-snap into an advantage for themselves. Weiss is a lot more of a design the running game kind of guy. He's someone who's going to get people blocking nobody all the time. And I think you have you're going to see a much more explosive running. I think game. you mean getting blocked by nobody. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be a much more explosive running game. Not just because Blake Corm is taking over the Hassan Haskins role or number of snaps, right? Uh, but just in general, I like, don't know if it can't. Like, it. I think didn't Michigan like lead the country in like fifty yard runs last year? That might be a tough, <laughs> tough, tough one to beat. Well, the good news is any mistakes that are made will be made against UConn, right? You have <laughs> Hawaii. That, you that, have, you that have, would be nice. You have some. You have a period of time. I mean, Maryland is not competitive on the defensive side of the ball, so you have a kind of a 
a carpet that's rolled out to get you going into yeah. October. We're going to have to promise each other right now not to get mad about the game plans against these teams. Because it's going to be pretty rough. I don't even know if you're going to be able to tell if the game plans are bad against some of these teams. Yeah. Like, you can run inside zone every play against UConn, and it's probably going to work. <sighs> that's very true. I'm still going to want... I, what do you want to see from them? I mean, that's a, that's a question. What do you want to see them doing in those three games? Just running inside zone? And pra- or, like, what do you want them to do with it? Um, I'd like to see a mix of all three main running approaches. Mm-hmm. So, they didn't run... Outside zone very much last year, but when they did, it was deadly because mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta wall up against these guys who are just mashing me down." And I got Zach Zinter across from me, right. like <laughs> I really gotta get forward. And so when they ran outside zone, reaching guys was easy, and you get just these huge chunks. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want to see them work on that, especially with the new center, because center is most important outside zone. Right. Um, <clears throat> I want to see them just take shots. Like when McNamara is in the game, like I want him to feel like Mike Leach is coaching him, mm-hmm. like YOLO, baby. <laughs> like I don't know if that's gonna happen. I, I think those games are a good opportunity to prepare for the scenario where Michigan has to come from behind because they really didn't do that much last year. There were a couple games where they fell down, but against Ohio State last year, they were ahead the whole game, and except like one small. I moment. mean, they were they were down. In, the Penn State game, but then they got like, and that was a, a window in the fourth quarter, like a rub route. Right, right. What happens if you fall down fourteen to three to Ohio State or something like that? That's what you need to use those games to prepare for. Well, I, I don't know. I just want, I want to see McNamara take what's there, right? Like yeah. that was the complaint for him last year is that like he was way too conservative hit, and hit a dig route. Well, also <laughs> hit just a post. like go 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 get it. And mm-hmm. for McCarthy, like I just want him to not seem like a freshman. That's it. <laughs> like, I mean, McCarthy before the snap is going to be telling because, like, he was not ready last year to sit and read the defense, see what was there, and there's well, going to be a lot there. This I know. Year I think cause... I think that's valid for a large portion of the year. But when he had that package in the Ohio State game, mm-hmm. that worked. And like, I know that Ohio State's defense was pretty simple last year, and so maybe that's not the best example. But that's a high pressure situation. He had a lot of decisions to make, and it, that that that. I mean, it worked against Michigan State too. He just fumbled the ball. That's true. But like they and they had to pull him at that point. But I mean, yeah, that I I totally agree that I want to see them open it up. Think about the the Big Ten championship game against Iowa. How much more relaxing that game was that they like had some fun stuff at the beginning of the game, got a fourteen nothing lead, and they're like, haha, ball come, game, come, yeah. right? So if you go out there and run six yards in a cloud of dust dog day against those those teams, you're going to win. You'll win thirty six seven or whatever it is, right? But I want to see them open up the beginning. If you get an interception early on, it's okay. Whatever, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want it to feel like the Washington game at any point. Yeah, like remember, it's like third and six, and they're running the ball. And I know that they're up, and they don't feel like Washington's going to ever move the ball on them. But it it should feel like they have confidence in their quarterbacks. Yeah, and like I think you you have a pretty idea, good idea of what you're getting from your run game. Yeah, and so I want to see them. And they're not going to be pass heavy in these games, but I want to see a balanced offense that looks like they have the right guy to take advantage of the wide receiver core. And you know what? They did exactly right against NIU last year. Where like they, they opened up a little bit. They're like, okay, let's see what happens when Cornelius Johnson runs a route against a guy. And, was, and like, you're as soon as you do that, <laughs> the drive is over. <laughs> But and that's going to be a problem. But like, it's not that big of a problem. Like, no, like, scoring eighty-seven yard touchdowns is not that big of a problem. Right, right. Let's let's get Quorum, you know, one hundred yards on four carries, and then put put the thing in the garage. 
Yeah, I mean... They also might have to throw the ball just to keep the receivers happy, right? You've got all these receivers. They want to get involved. Like, I think that that yeah. will fight against Jim Harbaugh's internal desire to just sit on a team well, with the lead. I also I also feel like the distributions of downs and distance are going to be different. Because last year with Haskins, it's like, okay, it's third and two again. Yeah. <laughs> and this year it's going to be like, all right, it's first down or it's third and five more often. And so you're, you're not going to just be able to grind teams the way that you did before. No, but I think Ronnie Bell certainly gives you the opportunity to get down the field with the passing game just as effectively as you did with the Haskins running game. You mean on third and medium? No, I mean on first and ten. Like, first and ten, run that guy in a crossing route, and, like, he's going to get you five yards. Oh, well, I mean, sure. That's that's a very efficient offense that is going to be on the table this year. I mean, if the quarterbacks can can do it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, McNamara can do that. (laughs) If if he can do anything, it's moving five yards at a time. Well, yeah. I mean, the one thing that... The offense couldn't. Well, nobody really did it, but they get they got in that Georgia game, and it was just like this isn't happening. Like from the first series, I was like, oh shit, I should not have come to this stadium. <laughs> <laughs> this was a bad decision. Um, I mean, the only but that was a historically good yeah. Defense. The only yeah. team that moved the ball on Georgia had Jamison Williams and right. Bryce Young, so and they did it for as, a half. Right, and, and as soon as they didn't have Jamison Williams, yeah. it, it, like Georgia won the national championship. Right. So yeah, I mean quarterback malfeasance is the way this doesn't come together right and they got two shots at it and two pretty good shots yeah so i mean i can't remember ever being this optimistic about a michigan offense going into a season because there's always something yeah i I mean it's like what what are they going to screw up like what happens if what happens if ronnie bill goes down oh we've seen that script before it's fine (laughs) right I like, mean, lose a tackle, lose a lose all the team. Even Crippen, like they were planning on Crippen being the starter until this happened. The, Corum is the yeah. one guy. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like Donovan Edwards. I think he's going to be a weapon in this offense. But just on the ground, he was not in Corum's league last year, and I don't think he's going to be this year. Fair enough. I mean, Donovan Edwards. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more this year from him, and you'll be really excited for the Donovan Edwards year next year when Corum's in the NFL. But this is the corn beer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I, it's, 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 a, it's a done deal, man. He's yeah, I know, like, <laughs> I know. He's a running back. He's yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, this is this is the corn. He's he's the offensive MVP. All due respect to the receivers and whatever happens at quarterback. And then one more thing I want to see early in the season is I want to see what happens on short yardage because yes. that was a problem last year. And that's where we really miss Haskins because like he fixed yeah I problems mean, with the blocking and the, the play calling there. You know, I think Olu is going to help a lot because mm-hmm. I am the Death Star to stand on this podcast. But you're, you're right. He wasn't yeah. Caesar Ruiz, and now we have someone who's closer to Caesar Ruiz. Right. And you have Zinter getting better quickly. You have Keegan getting better quickly. That interior trio, like, put Kalel Mullings behind those guys and just go, blorf. And I think you're going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Get uh, a fullback. Get Max Bredesen. <laughs> Max, I saw he's a tight end. He's shaped like a tight end. You, no, stop going with. Does the, he have a mohawk? The, Does he have a prospecting we, name? We, no, we, we can, can fix those. Yes, yeah. we can get that. I mean, he they they they. they here's the quote. Is anyone going to call him old murder face? No. He's, here's the quote. They know they've compared him to Ben Mason. They said like no. he's, he's he's Ben Bredesen's little brother, but he could be Ben Mason's little brother. I don't believe that for a hot second. And if if. That he lost the... an inch on the roster. What does that mean to you, Brian? Yeah. What happens when a guy loses an inch on the roster? Well, his spine has been com- com- compressed, but That's I don't. Right. I don't. 
Remember Kevin Dudley, who like came here at six three and left five eleven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's Max. I Bryan. just I won't. I gotta. I'll believe it when I see it. So is my optimism shared by you guys? Yeah. I I certainly can see them top five. My issue is how do you get to top two or how do you compete with Ohio State's offense or Alabama's offense? Because I mean, you don't have the talent that those guys have. I, I unless I, you have McCarthy. I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. Because I think they do have the talent this year. Because, I mean, if you look at Corum, probably the best running back in the country, maybe the best running back in the country. And then the wide receiver core, the OL, this year they have the talent. What they don't have is – what they don't have is Bryce Young, uh, and but they might, right? And if they do, then that's that's how they, they're the best offense in the country. And, and that's that's an open question. It could happen. It might not. Right. Um, like, does, does your five-star sophomore turn into – Right. Yeah. I mean, like, there's – it's not like it's not possible for that to happen. It more, but nor is it likely. Yeah. I, I mean, what's your percent? 15, 20% chance of uh, a J.J. McCarthy explosion? I was going to go 30. All I know is this year's Brian sounds a lot different than last year's Brian. <laughs> well, we haven't done the defense yet. I haven't been metaphorically and literally. Well, not literally. Never, never mind. <laughs> That's the end of this podcast. MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and Alex Strain. The Hassan Haskins take was not hot because of Hassan Haskins. The Hassan Haskins take was hot because our running backs are the best two in the country.